the last part of it is about a prayer-filled life. Here it is, a word, a word-filled prayer life. There is no greater power. Is that right? I know our series on Sunday has been about the secret to great power, and it's at the feet of Jesus, isn't it? It's at the feet of Jesus. We're going to find out about a, a guy tonight. Let me hold this up a little closer. They said I'm not getting it on the recording good back there. Uh, about a man that prayed in millions and millions of dollars to feed hungry children. Just uh, never had mass marketing, never had mass mail-outs, didn't have the internet, didn't do anything but fall on his knees every morning and cry out to God. And, and we'll, we'll, we'll read some more about him, him, him here in just a little bit. But uh, we kind of only got about four or five pages last week. We had a good discussion time, didn't we? So, wow, it was, it was powerful. We did point one and point two and was getting into point number three on page 268 in my book. Prayer for integrity in your children's personal lives. How important is integrity? Very important. I've always heard integrity defined this way. It's who you are when nobody's looking. Is that integrity? And character, I guess, kind of in the same. Character and integrity are very similar. But how many know there's, have you ever met somebody that seemed to be one way? And then you either go to their home or you see them out of the, the church world or whatever, and uh, they're totally a different, different person. Is it important, church, that we be men and women of integrity? Amen. Amen. Praise God. Woohoo, Bev says. Okay, he got the, I thought she was, I thought she was really liking what I said just then. Thank you, Corey. That too. <laughs> yeah, she tells me, she tells me that every once in a while when I say something good on Sunday, she puts something up there like praise the Lord or Amen or something. So uh, anyway, maybe I'll get one of those tonight. We'll see if I do really good. Hallelujah. A gold star. There you go. Hey. Did she right then? Look at that. There it is. I never, I'm always so, I'm also occupied with what I'm saying, what I just said, and what I'm about to say that I never look up. So, to see some of that going on. But anyway, integrity. This is not in your book, but you can write this in there if you want to. Psalms 26, verse 11 says, I will walk in my integrity. I will walk in my integrity. Now, if you look up the the word integrity in the Strong's Concordance, it's going to be there about 12, 15 times maybe. Never in the New Testament, only in the Old Testament. But uh, David wrote a lot about integrity, and I think, I uh, can't remember who the other, might have been Isaiah that had some stuff about integrity. But I believe integrity is very, very important. If you look at the word in the Hebrew, it's T-O-M, tome, tome, pronounced with an E on the end of it, tome instead of tom, all right? tone with the long long sound on the O. It means perfect, upright, completeness. And uh, again, how many would like your children to be men and women of integrity? And guess what? We are training them in our homes every day, aren't we? We're teaching them something. You know, those little eyes and ears are seeing and hearing. And so I think it's very, very important. I think this author is right on target. For you to pray for integrity 
in your children's personal lives. Number one, he says here, maintaining a clear conscience. The purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from sincere faith. That's 1 Timothy 1, 5. Is conscience important? How many's ever had a guilty conscience? Yep. And, uh, you know, I think as we teach our children about that, What's that old saying, let your conscience be your guide? You know, I think once the Holy Spirit, once your children, even at a young age, uh, have found Jesus Christ in their lives, that conscience kicks in, does it not? And they know what's right, and they know what's what's not right. So very, very important to teach them about uh, having a pure heart and a good conscience. Can we say amen? And... Then learning to stand alone, teaching your children to stand up for what they believe in. The scripture here is 2 Peter 1.3. His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Stand up for the principles. Teach your children to stand up for the principles that they have been taught right I can remember when she just walked in when Sheila was little uh, she seemed to get a lot of this you know she I don't know if it was from us reading the little red book at night or just being in the home or what but I remember her standing up for friends at school that were being bullied by somebody she'd get right into business and tell them you know pretty much straight out you know hey this is my friend and and uh, you're not going to talk to her like that you're not going to treat her like that or something along those lines so learning to stand alone sometimes you know there have been times in my life that uh, in ministry that I've had to stand alone against and I've shared it with some of the ministry team there at Hobbs some some stories that that where I was standing alone but one by one people would say you know pastor you're right about that you're right about that only and I'm not tooting my horn at all in any way only because it was a conviction it was in my conscience you know that this this is I either see it one way, it's either right or it's not right, right? There's no uh, gray area. Uh, there's some movie now, something about gray something. What is that? Not movie or is it a series? Gray. Yeah, Fifty Shades of Gray or something. That has nothing to do with, okay. All right, nothing to do with, with this, but. Okay, okay. A very bad show? Okay, all right, very bad. I'll let, cancel that. Re- Erase that from this recording, okay? Okay, so teaching them to stand alone, uh, seeking to stay pure in mind and body. Beloved, I beg you, as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul. You know, keep your children away from temptations, right? You know, it's, it's very important that you don't lead them into... Uh, there's a reason, you know, that you don't take children into bars and into areas that are not good and it's the same way now with the internet uh parents should be policing probably what they're i guess there's now parental controls on phones and ipads and all this stuff so uh keep you know let them know that they need to stay pure their, their minds are too young or too uh what's the word here they're not able to handle yeah the pressure of all the stuff that's on the internet you can click on some wrong buttons and in a minute you're into something that uh you know is is x-rated you know probably and again 
Uh, I know a lot of most of our parents do a great job of doing that, but to, to stay pure in their mind and body, God has a, a plan for their lives. And again, when, when they grow up, uh, uh, those convictions will be strong in their spirit. Evidencing a servant's heart, very important, is it not? We teach that a lot here at the house. We, we are all just servants, aren't we? That's what the word minister means. E- minister equals servant. If you look it up in the, in the Greek word, I forget what it is, but it means servant. So in evidencing a servant's heart here, Mark 10, 44, whoever of you desires to be first shall be the slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. There's a blessing in being a servant, isn't there? Hallelujah. I, I, uh, I get a blessing out of serving and helping somebody. So we've got a lot of servants' hearts here at the house. Not becoming bitter in trials. Ephesians 4.30 says, Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind. Everybody say kind. To one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, gentle. Right. <laughs> I mean, Corey's got, we've, we've talked about this some. Tenderhearted, gentle, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you kindness is good isn't it we've put a sign up in our house recently probably about the last couple months it sits there on the little breakfast nook and it's it's a pretty big sign like a foot square maybe 16 inch square it says kindness changes everything is that true how many would rather be treated kindly than the other way <laughs> amen so i mean that's a message for all of us in the home that's where the rubber really meets the road, isn't it? You know, we, uh, we live together and we get short with one another and we say things that we shouldn't say. So, very powerful scripture, Ephesians 4, 30. Uh, not become bitter in trials. Can, can bitterness creep in? That's another one of those uh, tools that the devil carries in his little tool belt, right? Gets you bitter, gets you angry, gets you upset, and then he just... Gets you, you know, it snowballs, doesn't it? Just like a snowball rolling down the side of the mountain. So, all right. So that's under uh, integrity. Those are one, two, three, four, five things under integrity. Number four, prayer for vitality in your children's eternal lives. Vitality. Do we want them to make it to the end? Is that what vitality is? I looked up the word vitality today and it's physical or mental strength and health the power to live and thrive a lot of people are just surviving aren't they they're not thriving they're just survivors is there a song that says I'm a survivor that's back during our days wasn't it no okay it's it's pretty current 2000 okay all right, I'm a survivor. Okay, that anyway, that it's amazing what comes in my mind while I'm up here. So, I mean, y'all y'all get to y'all get to experience it here on Wednesday night. I let my hair down. Okay, praise God. So, it's vitality is the physical or mental 
strength and health, the power to live and thrive. Number one, choosing a life of contentment. How many have griped about something today? I've been out dry. I've been out on the road. <laughs> yeah, that's, that'll do it every time. You know, I, I catch myself every once in a while, and I'll be griping about somebody, and I'll say, well, Lord, thank you that I've got a car to drive. You know, if I'm really in the spirit and I've been listening to uh, a good tune on the radio or a preacher or something and I'm under conviction, I, I tend to drive a little kinder. But uh, again, uh, choosing a life of contentment. Paul says this in Philippians 4.11, I have learned in whatever state I am in, Texas, Oklahoma, no, uh, to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. In other words, I've had, I've had a lot, and I've had not so much. Me too. Me too. I've been there. Anybody ever ate ketchup sandwiches and water gravy? And, you know, we lived on... Yeah, there you go. Yeah, and spam. <laughs> no, you don't like spam. Yeah, we, mom, mom would... You know, it was commodities, we called it back then. And I, I would give a $100 bill right now for a box of that cheese. Oh, my goodness. Commodity cheese. Huh? I don't know what it was, but it was what? Government cheese. Yeah, I was in a box about. Yeah. Just a big old, what, about a four-inch square, wasn't it? And it's about a foot, uh, 14 16 inches long box and man that would last us for a yeah yeah <laughs> so I can remember that you know it was a it was a blessing to get would you say yeah yeah there you go there you go commodity cheese man I just thought of that but learning to choose a life of contentment Paul said I've had I've had a lot and I haven't had so much, and I've learned, though, whatever state my body or my physical man is in, I still praise God. He did it in the jail, didn't he? The stocks, naked, you know, cold, dungeon, just at midnight, Paul sang praises. Paul and Silas had a little uh, worship meeting down there, didn't they? So, number two, choosing a life of consecration. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Do we have to sometimes carry the cross? Amen. And we have to teach our children. That's really what this section is about, is when you're praying, you're, you're praying that they will be consecrated to the Lord, that they, will be, that they will choose a life of contentment. We were studying last night uh, with the ministries training team and uh, the thing that caused Israel when they were there uh, the 40 years remember in the in the wilderness a lot of it was because they mumbled and complained and griped and whined Joyce Meyer says it this way complain and remain praise and be raised amen so if you don't get anything else tonight, man, that's worth combing your hair for and getting here tonight, wasn't it? Amen. Praise, praise and be raised. Hallelujah. Choosing a life of 
consecration, choosing a life of commitment. I can remember hearing people pray, Lord, help my boys to hold out to the end. Help my boys, help my, you know, whatever, hold out. May they hold out till the end. And here's the scripture with that. Luke 9, 62, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Anybody ever run a tractor? I have years ago. You, you want to set your rows straight, don't you? The first row is so critical, you know? You want to get that thing lined up, and you, what you do is you don't focus at the end of the tractor. You look down there about a quarter of a mile or 200 yards at something, and you keep your eye on that, don't you? And then you head off down through there. So uh, how'd that? I don't know how I got off on that, but uh, hold out to the end, right? Keep, keep on keeping on. Uh, plow. Oh, that's it, the plow. You can't, you can't do a straight row. He says, no man, if you put your hand to the plow and you start looking back, what's going to happen? You're going to look like a snake walking down through there. So, okay, number four, giving a life back to the Lord. How many realize that when, you, when we do a baby dedication, we're giving that baby back to God, aren't we? You get, to, you get the joy and the privilege of raising that child, but you're giving that child to the Lord. We stand right here, and, and we do the exchange. You know, I bless the baby and hand it back to the, to the parents to raise. But uh, here's the scripture, First Chronicles 28, 9. Know the God of your father. Serve him with a loyal heart and with a willing mind, for the Lord searches all hearts and understands all the intent of the thoughts. If you seek him, he will be found by you, but if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. I want to give my life to the Lord, amen, at an early age. I'm thankful that I found Jesus at a young age, amen. Okay, and here's the story on, on page or 269 in my book. Anybody ever heard of a man named George Mueller? All right. He's the guy I was mentioning a while ago. He read the Bible through 200 times in his life here on earth. Wow. Say, that's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot, preacher. And he it was back in the early 19th century. God chose him to, to feed the hungry and the poor and the uneducated. He just, in his lifetime, he, he discipled 120,000 orphans and poor children in five orphan homes he built, plus the 72 day schools he maintained in England and three other countries. And he did so solely by secret prayer. I mentioned earlier. Uh, through extensive diaries that, that he kept during his remarkable life for 93 years. A picture of powerful praying can be pieced together. In summary, by prayer alone, this man raised 7.2 million 19th century dollars or $111.6 million in today's currency. This, this book is a couple years old, so probably $200 million. Now, we've had a lot of inflation <laughs> the last couple of years, so probably close to $200 million dollars that this man raised without any media blitz, without anything but on his face, on his knees before God. Doesn't that just blow you away? He, he just 
believed God. Every morning he woke up and prayed and believed that there'd be enough. If you read the story here, he said, without ever asking a soul for one penny, Mueller's prayers touched the finances of countless individuals who were led by God to give him staggering sums of money freely for over 60 years. Anyway, you can read that later, but what a man of God. Wow. What a man of God. Hallelujah. The key to unleashing prayers that God always answers is to have them flowing from a word-filled life. He, Jesus spoke his word so that it would stay with us, live with us, walk with us, talk to us, meet with us, travel with us. He intends his word to fill our hearts. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. So very powerful. All right, let's, let's do a couple of questions here. Here's number four, actually, in, the, in this same paragraph. How many did we get last week? Did we get the, just the first two on your handout sheet? Let's go back over them real quick. Number one is you raise a godly family. How? One prayer at a time. Anybody need one of these? All right. I think there's one left. Anybody else? Maybe the last one. Joseph? There may be one on that ledge back there. You might check with Bev there. Uh, so number one, you raise a godly family one prayer at a time. Well, this whole series is about prayer, or this last part is, and then you're getting a double whammy on Sunday. Prayer, 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 right? The Greek word kratos means power. So in our opening text, Acts 6, 4, it should read, we will constantly be going to the real source of power, which is prayer and the serving of God's word. Number three, there are four areas we'll learn to pray about in the next five chapters. Reality in our children's spiritual lives. Stability in their relational lives. Integrity in their personal lives. And vitality in their eternal lives. So you didn't get that it's on page let's see here one two three it's on the top of page one two sixty seven number four prayers that flow from a word-filled life are simple direct and biblical everybody get that one simple direct and biblical I think God God likes it when we talk straightforward with him, don't you? It's one of the things I really admire about David in the Bible. He was very direct with God, wasn't he? So God, I look for you. I don't see you. I look to the left. I look to the right. Where are you? You know, what's going on? You've forsaken me. Oh, God. You know, very next chapter, though, you go, I cried unto the Lord, and he heard me and delivered me from all my distress. So he's kind of on an emotional Roller coaster, but I think we're that way if we'd be honest. How many of you have prayed prayers before when you didn't know if it went above the ceiling? You know, you're just you're hoping and praying that it that it did. So David, you know, he was very uh, direct. He was direct with God, wasn't he? So simple, direct, and I like the last one, biblical. It's important what we pray, isn't it? Very important. Okay. Now here at the bottom, and this is going to be number five also. We'll go ahead and grab it while we're here. The praying life of Christ. We're going to look at how, how Jesus prayed. 
you look at the word prayer in the Hebrew, it's tefillah, tefillah. It's accounting or contemplation. The basic definition, if I ask y'all what, what's prayer, what would you call, what would y'all say? Okay. Talking to God. That's the simple, isn't it? That's the simple definition. Just prayer is conversing or talking to God. Uh, here's another definition. Uh, communion of the soul with the Lord. It can get that way, can't it? You can get to where you're just lost in communion and fellowship with Him. And, and don't you know that... Th- does God love the exchange, the dialogue that He has with you? I think so. He loves it, doesn't He? How many of you like talking to your children? I do. Some, yeah, some days. Yeah, you got teenagers. Yeah, you got teenagers. You got teenagers. There's a few years there. <laughs> There's a few years when you want to just about kill them, you know. I brought you into this world, and I can take you out. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. Grandma Ruby. So, yeah, it, uh, but I do. I, I, lo- I love hearing from my kids. You know, it's the, it's, or my grandkids. Grandkids are better than kids, aren't they? No. Sheila, <laughs> Sheila, no, 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 no. But anyway, it's a, it's a blessing. God is the same way, isn't he? He loves to hear from you. Whether it's morning, noon, middle of the night, just, you know, sometimes I lay there of the morning before I get up and just tell him how much I love him and stuff, and then I finally get woke up enough to get my feet on the ground and I say good morning God and uh, so yeah it uh, he loves that he loves the communication or the I use the word exchange so many times we don't wait for him to talk back to us do we we just you know talk 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 he will speak to you he says call unto me Jeremiah 33 3 and I will answer you and I'll show you things that you don't even know about, that you're not aware of. So God will speak back to you. Amen? So that's all free there, that part. The praying life of Christ. Here we go at the bottom of page 270. Prayer is to be a total way of life, an open communication with God, which goes on when? All the time. Say it together all the time. Wow. So the blank there on number five is communication. There's no communication if one does all the talking, is there? There's time to talk, time to listen. Then it's your turn, right? Hallelujah. So it takes two to communicate. Number one, how did Jesus pray? We're going to look at the different. Uh, postures and different ways that he prayed. Number one, he prayed standing. Is it okay to pray standing? I don't have to be kneeling. No. I can be standing. I can pray right here, right now, can't I? Here it is. Then he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass, and he took the five loaves and the two fishes, and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples, and the disciples gave to the multitude. 
Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was laying, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. So two different examples here of him praying, standing up. Number two, he prayed on his face. His last night here on earth in his earthly body, he's in the garden, right? He went a little farther and fell on his face. There it is. And prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. So standing on his face, on his knees. Oh, I thought that was the only way I could pray. No, you, don't want, you can be if you want to. Here he was. Here it is, Luke twenty-two forty-one, And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and prayed. He prayed walking and looking up. <laughs> Jesus spoke these words, lifting up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son also may glorify you. So walking and looking up. You know, Sunday when we had stand prayer, there was a lot of y'all walking around here after the end of the service praying, right? I don't know if you were looking up or not, but you were. You know, Bev loves to pray walking. I kind of... I'm intermittent on that. Sometimes I just want to kneel, and sometimes I want to walk, and sometimes I want to lay prostrate and just, uh, yeah. Anyway, with loud crying, is that okay? Uh, Hebrews 5, 7, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications, that's what that means, letting it out, with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death, and was heard because of his godly fear. So I think we've all prayed some of those prayers where you're crying out to God, right? He prayed from the scriptures. Then I said, Behold, I have come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do your will, O God. So there's one, two, three, four, five, six different ways that explain how Jesus prayed. Now, where did he pray? There you go. The short answer is everywhere uh, he never taught about praying in a specific place he even told the little woman there that you know in John what is that John chapter 5 she said your, your people say to worship here and there in Mount Jerusalem and blah 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 and Jesus said the hour is coming now is when the true worshipers will worship me and it's not where it's not doesn't matter where right you just worship me in spirit and in truth so he prayed everywhere uh, in a closet. Anybody ever watch the movie The War Room? Did, we took the church, didn't we? Yeah, and went over here to the theater and watched that together when it first came out. The War Room. The little lady that had a closet, you know, a little four by four closet, but she had sticky notes all over the walls of that room for different ones she was praying for. And one by one, as God would answer them, she'd take that sticky note down and when somebody else gave her a need she'd put another one up so Matthew 6 6 in the Sermon on the Mount Jesus said but you when you pray go into your room and when you've shut your door pray to your father who is in secret the secret place and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly so in a closet but now we can go out in a garden too right yep then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane, said to the disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. So it's okay to pray out in your garden, right? Anybody ever prayed for the squash? 
and the okra. Amen. Lord, bless this squash. Help it grow. On a mountain, Luke 6, 12, now it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray. I love praying in the mountains. Mm. I love praying in the mountains. You're closer to God. Y'all will catch that later, some of you on the, on the drive home. You're up at 10,000 feet instead of 2,000, right? So. up there and then I uh, I don't know I went 10 12 miles back in there and I got way up there in the mountain and there was this rock ledge and I went out and sit on the edge of that rock ledge and just looked out at what God had created and I'll tell you what man that's one of the most um, spiritual feelings or just feeling like you're just right there in heaven you know, like the Lord's right there with you, and you and I started praying, and I was just like, "This is just unbelievable. It's so beautiful." You just look out across the whole horizon and see all the beautiful mountains, and you know, it's just it was just a really nice experience. I was all by myself; I didn't have nobody to go. So the next day, I decided I was going to take my kids and wife and all that. They bailed out within a mile. Right. Yeah, the mountains. He prayed in the mountains, didn't he? I love it. I love it. In the wilderness. Well, hold it. In solitude. Now, in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. Quiet time, right? God time. Just you and God in, a, in your special place, out on the back porch, wherever, wherever it may be in the wilderness so he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed uh, I'm thinking of Hobbs, New Mexico that's like a wilderness no I'm teasing it's, it's a caliche rock and, and cactus and rattlesnakes and, and yeah I prayed out there many times too on a cross whoa the last few minutes of his life, what did he do? Prayed. And when they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him, and the criminals, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. So on a cross, the last few minutes of his life, he's praying. That's a, probably a good time to be praying. Amen? Hallelujah. The last few minutes of your life. When did Jesus pray? Number three, Jesus never taught about specific times to pray because we are to pray when? At all times. Everywhere and at all times. Now the Jews, they had three prayer times a day. Morning afternoon and evening it was kind of in their uh, keeping of the law uh, three times a day remember Daniel when they told him not to pray he still three times a day went to the window they said you know let no man ask any decree except of the king he still went to his window and 
did the Jewish ritual of praying three times a day. Now, uh, Jesus changed all that, didn't he? He said, pray at all times. Early morning, Mark 135, now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed. There, that's the one we just read up there. And the other one, day and night. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years who did not depart from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. She prayed, didn't she? Yeah. And before meals, anybody do that? Even in the restaurant? I want to find out how religious you are. No. <laughs> Amen. I've had people come over to me several times, see me bowing my head in prayer and say, uh, that really blessed me. See you praying before your meal. You don't do it to be seen. You just, you don't, I don't yell or anything. I just bow my head and I don't just do the five-second nod to God. I thank Him, you know, for 20 seconds or 30 and for my hamburger or my whatever it is. So before meals, teach your kids this too. Always, there it is, the last one. Then He spoke a parable to them that men ought always to pray and not lose heart. Even as He died, and we just shared this earlier there under uh, where to pray. This is when to pray. As he died, when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last breath. Okay, what did Jesus pray for? We're going to try to wrap this up tonight here. So I'm going to, can you all listen fast here for a minute? What do you pray for? A lot of things, right? We're going to find out what Jesus prayed for. Number one, consecration for ministry. And this is on your handout. You can get these as we go through here if you want to. It's number Six, consecration for ministry. When all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And while he prayed, the heaven was open. He was beginning his earthly ministry, wasn't he? So consecration for ministry. He also prayed for number two, daily strength. Will ministry drain you? Yes. Yes, it will. I go through a whole cycle starting on about Saturday morning until Sunday afternoon. You study, you, you uh, sometimes it's longer than that, you know, depending on when God gave me the first thought for my sermon. But you go through a whole deal, and sometimes you go and eat with the family, and by the time you're halfway through the meal, you're like, I got to get home. <laughs> and you go home, and you stumble in the door, and you fall on the couch, and you sleep. <laughs> Get, get recharged uh, so uh, daily strength however the report went around concerning him all the more and in great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities so he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed so number three clear guidance now it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God for God's direction Decisions we make, right, should be bathed in prayer. How many of you pray over what car to buy, what house to to buy? Amen. What you know, a lot of different, a lot of different things for God to direct, direct you. Uh, so for God's direction, uh, he he prayed when he was healing the sick. And turn over to the next page, two seventy four. He prayed before starting his days. He prayed for personal encouragement. 
before the first prediction of his death. It, let's read that one. And it happened as he alone was alone praying that his disciples joined him. And he asked them, saying, Who do the crowds say that I am? I just preached on this not too long ago. So for his own personal encouragement. Sometimes, especially if you're in ministry, the encouragers may be few and far between. <laughs> not, we, we have some great encouragers here at this church that you, you don't, you'll never know. You know, sometimes just a word of encouragement, just, hey, that was a good sermon, or some people will send a card, or they'll, you know, all kinds. I've got cards in a box in my office that just full of different ones that, that uh, chose to encourage us. In, in difficult times, he prayed for God's comfort. There's another one. There's number seven. Uh, number eight, to prevent discouragement. <clears throat> Number nine, for wisdom. So I'm giving you a whole lot more than seven. You can choose the ones you like. Number 10, insight for ministry. Uh, number 11, personal victory. Uh, we already talked about that in the Garden of Gethsemane. Number 12, for God's protection. And then I like this on page 275, about the second paragraph. In everything, Jesus prayed for God's will to the consummation of his life. It was met in prayers, his last breath on the cross. We can affirm that he prayed for God's goals. So, number one here, harmony with God's plan, which was his passion, thankfulness in all of his life. Number two, confidence to the end. Why must we pray? Anybody got a clue? Fellowship, that's good. That's right. Mark nine twenty nine. Uh, it's yes, amen, amen. A lot of different reasons, right, to pray. Just like Jesus had all these different things that he prayed about, we have a lot of different things to pray about ourselves. Over on page two seventy six, we must pray or we become disobedient. Right. Yep. How many of you ever become a little bit disobedient with God? I, had, I have in my life. There was a season when I tested the waters to see if everything I had preached for 20 years was true. <laughs> and it was. <laughs> it was. But I had to get some knots on my head, stubborn old boy, to figure it out, you know. It's the thing I love about this church. We're not a... We're not a whitewashed sepulcher. There's a lot of stories in this church of people that uh, once knew God, got away from God, got back to God, or on and on. Just uh, so many different, different things. But uh, when we become disobedient to the Father and to the Lord, it's, it can get rough. It's going to be His way. Either go ahead and submit to it now <laughs> or uh, later. When you have hardly nothing left but the clothes on your back, maybe. But uh, again, we must pray. Or we become disobedient. We must pray or we become weak. True. Number three, we must pray or we become blind. We're referring to what? Spiritual blindness. We must pray or we become foolish. Yeah. What's the script? Yeah, here it is. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. James 1, 5. 
who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it'll be given to him. I like wisdom better than foolishness, don't you? Hallelujah. We must pray or we become spiritually poor. I know I'm going fast here. We have no idea how much the Lord wants to do in and through us until we ask. What are you and I wasting by not asking? God wants to do something we can't plan, that we can't program, that we can't calculate, so that when he does it, he gets all the glory. Woo, isn't that good? If I can do it, it probably wasn't God, right? But if 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 it's a vision or a dream so big, there's no way possible for me. Just the, the, what this church right here, Amen. That was a, that was a God thing, wasn't it? Just there's no way I could have. I look back here after 17 years and just stand in awe, you know, of what God, of what God has done. Okay, how can we pray like Jesus? And this is, I think, number seven on your handout. We're going to wrap this up here. When we pray like Jesus, we, number one, make the time to pray. Do I have to schedule it or make the time? I don't know if I have to necessarily write out a schedule, but I have to make the time to pray. We choose a place to pray. We pray as often as possible. We pray for specific individuals. How many of you every morning pray for somebody specifically? It could be your children. It could be someone here in the church it could be a neighbor it could be a co-worker but there's not a, a day goes by that I'm not calling somebody's names in prayer amen and we pray with people throughout the day Jeff got to lead this lady to the Lord today there in his hospital room got to pray with her right there he just asked her do you have a relation you know Jesus Christ and got to lead her in the sinner's prayer and we pray systematically. If we don't, we'll get out of practice, won't we? So it's good to uh, pray, pray, pray. All right. He talks about uh, a guide here. Let's, 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 it's getting 8 o'clock. We've got to land this thing. Dwight L. Moody, remember him? The great preacher, the great man of God, said this. He who kneels the most stands the best. He who kneels the most stands the best. I may have given you all that one at the start. I think I quoted that last week. So he, this is something, you know, if you would like to, if you have children at home, make out a a guideline to pray. Monday, we pray the prayer of faith. Tuesday, we pray for the family. Three, we pray for the Lord's Prayer. Thursday, we pray for our missionaries. Friday, we pray uh, prayers of confession, repentance. Lord, you know, this week, here it is Thursday, and I know I've messed up. And and then uh, Saturday, we pray for our church. I like that one, don't you? Pray for Pastor. Pray for uh, Sandra. Pray for uh, Colin and Sheila and all the ones involved in this service on Saturday. We used to send out a prayer text on Saturday evening to to pray at 9 p.m. Y'all remember that? Every evening, you'd get a, every Saturday evening, you'd get a thing to remind you to pray for the service. So, all right, we're going to call that a wrap. I did that at 8.03, right? (laughs) Let's stand together. It's good stuff, isn't it? Good, good stuff. Praise the Lord.
Praise God. Hallelujah. Who would like to pray a dismissal prayer tonight? You were the one I was going to call. Dear Heavenly Father, we just praise you, Lord. We praise you for this day. We praise you and thank you for all the blessings that you bring our way. Father God, we just thank you for all the people that you place in front of us, Lord, that we may be able to be a light, that they may be able to see Jesus through, that we may be able to bring your word to them. Oh, Father God, we just ask that you move in a special way to help us to keep bringing the light of your love and your mercy and your grace to all those who know not and do not know you, Lord. Father God, we just praise you that you have blessed these people that are here tonight, and we ask that you would move on each and every one of us in a special way. Meet our needs. Help us, O Lord. Guide us, correct us, and keep us in your hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.